0: Hello and welcome to BGS English Revision Podcast. I'm Mr Forster
1: and I'm Missy Ammonarchus and
0: we're going to talk about Relic. Yeah, it's nice
1: to be back. We haven't
0: done one of these for a while. I know. I miss the sound of my own voice because I never (laughs) (laughs) thought. Famously. So um, this is obviously a very uplifting Ted Hughes poem. The for our paper one, um, Poetry. Um, and you could get a question in the exam on this It's well. You'll have always have a choice of two. It's obviously one of the 15 poems you've got to revise.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what's the question we're doing today, So, The
1: question we're doing is, how does Hughes portray the brutality of the natural world in Relic?
0: Spoiler alert is very brutal.
1: Yeah. So
0: what, um, what kind of things are we going to look at in this poem, do you think, before we dive into our thesis? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think, you know, it, this one probably is... Um, one of the slightly more complex ones. I don't know if you'd agree. Yeah, but it's quite um, easy to write about. But it There's is lots quite of complex easy to imagery. Write about. Yes, it's a bit more abstract perhaps than something like Rodier where it's a very specific moment that Hughes is describing. Um, but I think actually um, it, there is a lot to say about this poem and it's quite interesting. There are a range yeah. of ways you can kind of look at the symbolism of... I
0: him. think that's the key thing. It's a really great poem for practising writing about symbolism because yes. it functions on this central symbol yeah. of well, the relic do you want to read the thesis which
1: actually i think if you do feel confident in writing about this poem actually means that in some ways it's easier to kind of hit the things you need to do to get into yeah. the upper mark bands isn't it than perhaps in some of the more um overtly straightforward um poems um okay so the thesis statement for this question uh, in this poem hughes presents a bleak perspective of the natural world as he explores the brutal struggle for survival in the depths of the sea The poem is a meditation on the cycle of life, predation and death. And this reflection is focused on the jawbone, which the speaker has found as he walks on the beach. The final metaphor of the cenotaph could suggest that Hughes is also confronting humanity their history of warfare and senseless
0: deaths. Yeah, I mean, is it worth us starting by thinking about the cenotaph? Because obviously the cenotaph, in case the listeners don't know, is of course an empty tomb or monument erected in honour of a personal group of people whose remains are crucially elsewhere. Yes. But the cenotaph in our culture has a very specific connotation, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a monument in London. It's where the poppy wreaths are laid. We tend to associate it with the First World
1: War, don't we, yeah. specifically?
0: And so suddenly this poem, is, which is just about a jawbone washed up on, on a beach, is not just a poem about a jawbone washed up on a... It's a meditation, isn't it, on death, on memory, on how how life carries on.
1: Yeah, and it does do that thing, which you know a lot of poems and a lot of the Hughes poems do, which is to start off with something quite concrete and specific, and then become more abstract. So that the cenotaph metaphor is in the second shorter stanza, right, right at the end of the poem. In fact, it's the final word of the poem, isn't it?
0: I mean, is it worth? Starting actually with the title itself, because a relic is yes is an object surviving from another time it 's an object of value it 's cherished for its kind of historical or religious significance. But what what the what is the relic of this poem? Uh, it
1: is a jawbone.
0: It's a jawbone, fish's
1: jawbone, which
0: is uh, perhaps <laughs> we could see, we'll unpick the pick this as the podcast goes on. But quite an apt symbol for quite an atheist Darwinian worldview. Yes. This poem seems to evoke. It isn't yeah. a religious poem. The relic here is not Christ's fingernails. It is, yeah, it's absolutely,
1: it's, and it's it's you know it's. Even if it were a real moment in Hughes's life, which it may well have been, um, it obviously is enormously significant that the thing that is left is the jawbone with the teeth. So it's the the thing that eats and consumes. We'll come on to
0: in our third section of the essay, it's clearly this metaphor that encapsulates this kind of worldview of this Darwinian world of eat or be eaten, the strongest shall survive. So should we start off by looking then, what are we going to start by looking at? We're looking at the, the circle of life you've written on the podcast handout. I have written that. It's the circle. <laughs> I knew
1: someone was going to sing that, it wasn't going to be circle. me.
0: Circle.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it is it is a cliche, but it is, you know, the, the point that you were making about, um, you know, the Darwinian struggle. But there's also, I, I think, ultimately in this poem, there's a kind of sense of... Um, the fact that that is the way that the world works, that, that, you know, you are the predator and then you become the prey and then the sea kind of, you know, throws you up. And, and so it carries on.
0: Yeah, because you've written it, you said Hughes uses the central image of the fish's bleached jawbone as a focus for his meditation on the infinite cycle of death and rebirth. Yes. Which is precisely what, what the poem is doing, isn't it? Indeed. Um, because there's this idea, isn't there, of the... I mean, should we, should we should we start with the Ouroboros, or should we start...
1: Yeah, let's start with the Ouroboros, because I think that's a useful um, so what, symbol. So what is an Ouroboros? So, well, so it's a circular symbol, and you can Google it and have a look. Your teacher may well have given you an image. It depicts a snake or a dragon um, devouring its own tail... Um, and so the kind of circular nature of that represents the eternal cycle of destruction and rebirth, which yeah, is the what first we're seeing here. Time the in the poem. sea
0: eats its tail, thrives, yeah. casts these indigestibles, the spars of purposes. So really the time, time in the sea is this monstrous being, this Ouroboros that has no beginning and no end. Yeah. It's this infinite circle. Um, uh, and- I, so
1: I think Hughes takes something that somebody else might pass over as a relic on the beach and, and sees it in the much broader context
0: yeah, as a, as a spar other, of purposes that fails yeah. far from the surface, uh, evidence of time that's just carrying on um, whether, you know, beyond the, this cycle of life and death in which all living beings are kind of caught up. Um, it's worth thinking, I guess you, you've written on the handout as well as a, as a kind of a first bullet point under this as well, looking at the, the line of continuing the beginning. Yeah. What do you make of that?
1: Um, which line is that? So really? it's, the, it's, the th- it's, it's in the first ah, stanza. Yes, it so says, we have this long so list of crabs, dogfish, line.
0: broken by the breakers or tossed a flat for a half an hour and turned to a crust, continue the beginning. So this kind of long yeah, list of... Yeah, the kind of
1: don't we? The detritus kind of
0: washed that. up on a beach, the, the jets deposited on, on the shore after a storm. They continue the beginning. Um, and then we've got a caesura, haven't we? That yeah. pause. Uh, and actually, the, that
1: caesura... Kind of bookends, doesn't it? Because um, we have a code on the other side of it, that the kind of reminder of the depths of the sea, the deeps are cold.
0: Yeah, this um, this gap, the seora contains that gap, doesn't it? Between yeah. between the shore, this liminal space, the, the threshold on which they encounter the sea, um, through the detritus left behind, and the deeps that where there is no, in the darkness, camaraderie does not hold the deeps, the darkness that if you've watched kind of, you know, David Attenborough and seen like the midnight zone, you know, all these fish that are just jaws that are there. There's this sense, isn't there of the, the, the deeps of the sea as this yeah. me- metaphor for the brutality of a nature that perhaps is deeper than we can understand.
1: I think the, the use of the word camaraderie is an interesting one as well, isn't it? Because I think it's very human. It, isn't It's very human. And also, you know, we were saying earlier about the kind of cenotaph. I think there is a kind of link there as well. Um, Perhaps in the sense that, you know, nature, um, you know, human beings kill each other brutally too, but they they perhaps kind of justify it in certain ways, whereas the, the circle of nature here is just the thing that happens, that's what happens.
0: Yeah, there, um, it's, it's, no it's it's kind of presented without without judgment, isn't it? It's part of Hughes's wider view about kind of the animal the animal world, isn't it? This is yeah. separate from the kind of the strict moral order of, of humans that we impose upon the world. Actually, there is killing and death, and this cycle of life and life and death in the natural world is is natural. Is yeah. Is is, 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 is amoral? Um, the idea that it's outside of the moral framework, not immoral.
1: Although I haven't really answered your question because I don't know if I know the answer to your question, which is about the continue of the beginning. Yeah. Um, I have not Having having not read it for all <laughs> while I'm now not sure what I think. What are well, you saying? Well,
0: I guess the beginning I'm throwing it, that one back at you. you could, well, you could read the beginning in two ways, couldn't you? It's the beginning of the land, the beginning of the sea, the beginning of um, the decay of these this detritus that's been thrown up on, on birth. Death is perhaps the start of something new. Animals eat on things that have died. Uh, the, yeah, an end is also yeah. a beginning. It's, it's, it's picking up on this later idea of the Ouroboros, isn't it? That actually the crabs, dogfish, broken by the breakers, tossed a flat for half an hour. It's both the end of the life of these sea creatures, but it's also the beginning of the life of the scavengers that will pick them apart, yeah, of the, that the, the bacteria sense. that will rot them down. But also the, the seashore itself is the beginning of the land, the, the beginning of the sea. We're in this space, this in-between, this liminal space, aren't we, between worlds, because the sea's edge, I think, is quite an important that first line. It places the beach as a threshold, yes. doesn't it? And this is clearly Hughes is using it. There's, this is his encounter with the sea, which for him seems to. We're going to explore this a little bit more in this in, the, in this paragraph. But the sea for him is this symbol, isn't it, of the the brutal the brutality of yeah. nature.
1: And there are there are lots of moments, aren't there, in the Ted Hughes poems where he kind of juxtaposes. Um, you know the individual human kind of against the landscape. You get it in horses as well, don't you? various yeah. Other ones. There's a sense that there's there's a kind of a line almost where humans can't quite understand what's really happening. They can only kind of watch and wonder.
0: I think there's always something um, interesting with Hughes about the sounds as well. Because the sounds this opening stanza, it's filled with these plosives: the t, the k sounds, the crabs. Dogfish, broken yeah. breakers, tossed deeps, cold darkness, camaraderie—all of these D, K, B sounds, these plosives, yeah. we can call them. It, 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 it cause sonically mirrors, doesn't it? The, the violence of this world that he's—that we're yeah, still to be. also sense that they've it. been
1: thrown out, and there's this, and then there's this. I mean, the, that. Um, uh, synthetic listing in the second line is kind of echoed in the final line of that first stanza, isn't it? And similar thing with the, the sounds, you've got the vertebrae, claws, carapaces, skulls, shells. So it's all the kind of leftovers, the things that are thrown away, the things that show you an image of what the thing used to be or a part of the thing yeah um, that once existed
0: i mean not to i mean we probably need to move on to our next point soon so i'm just aware of yeah. time but perhaps maybe a final point of this first stanza is just this idea that, that that colon the causal structure of that end of that so the deeps are cold colon in that darkness camaraderie does not hold the darkness here is both literal and figurative isn't it yeah. this is where the sea is clearly a symbol that there is the literal darkness of the midnight zone the depths of the sea where sunlight cannot penetrate mm. but it's also the depths of of the world isn't it these these dark spaces that, that we can go to that actually we don't understand that there is no space for friendship camaraderie human yeah. connection possibility well, we
1: only have the the fragments that are thrown back at us like that's what yeah. that's what we have in order to understand it um,
0: should we look at our next point then? So,
1: yes. So this is in
0: quite nicely to our next point. where So
1: the depiction of the ocean was the second yeah. paragraph that we had. Um, and we've said, um, did we mention the handout earlier?
0: Oh, yes. So, yeah. Download it. If you haven't yes. clicked on the handout, click on it. Have yeah. you clicked on it?
1: it's useful to have it there with you um and obviously to look at afterwards and obviously Um,
0: the best revision is active revision highlighting adding scribbling things that we didn't bother to put on the handouts we couldn't bother to edit it after we i I always like to say this as well
1: because my class can complain to me you know our suggestion is a three paragraph structure of course some people might want to write more and you don't have to do it in the order um, that we're doing it in and if you really struggle with this and some people do Actually, there's nothing wrong with taking a marginally chronological approach and splitting the poem up as long as you don't go in the first stanza, in the second stanza, in the middle of the first stanza, and you find some kind of way of noting the transitions. But our our second paragraph, anyway, is focusing on the depiction of the ocean. Um, And we start that by saying that Hughes personifies the sea as a vast creature that consumes everything in its depths and ultimately symbolises the eternal rhythms of life and death. It is an unforgiving and relentless presence. And we sort of already touched on that, haven't we, by yeah. talking about the deeps, um, the cold and the dark. Which perhaps which might, we might fit
0: better in this paragraph. Um, again, you can decide that if you were to write an essay on it. But, but I mean, should we start by looking at the imagery of consumption? This yes. Of, 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 of...
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go through and highlight the poem... Devours you, you may already satisfied. have done this. Yeah, there's lots of gnawn
0: Indigestibles. Well. Jawbone.
1: Um... Which I guess makes sense, doesn't it, given the, the fact that the relic is a kind of jawbone and then it has that wider metaphor of the way in which the sea kind of, you know, devours everything and throws it back out. Um, so I think one of the things to think about is, you know, what the impact of this kind of metaphor of the sea is some kind of huge predatory um, appetite, but a non, non-human non and non-animal
0: presence yeah. here. And it's also the idea that actually nothing touches but clutching devours. That internal rhyme touches clutching and then the the assonance in devours, touches, devours, clutching—all these long um, vowel sounds that are going through—that yeah. actually make you work your own jaw when you're doing it. It's a poem about yeah. jaws, and it's like touches, clutching, devours. These are all these long vowels force you to move your own yeah. jaw, kind of munching on and it. And the,
1: the um, assonance between the deeps are cold um, uh, is—you know—it's it, it, quite a bleak image that one, isn't it? And that um, alliteration of the darkness that follows on the subsequent line kind of really emphasises
0: that... Yeah, well, the darkness links, doesn't it, with this idea of touching, which we might suggest, suggests camaraderie. Normally, if we think about touching, we think about holding hair. We think about some, yeah. some kind of human connection. But actually touching in the, this darkness, he suggests, is actually clutching and devouring. Well, it's touching, suggesting that that's consuming. the only
1: touching yeah. that's really going to happen here
0: either, doesn't it? There's no, there's no relationships in this <laughs> this poem. There's, it, the only relationship is one of the predator and the prey, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Uh, and I think then in the final bullet point I put that, which I think is quite interesting, is that um, Hughes uses that phrase of the sea's achievement as well, um, and this kind of suggestion that perhaps there's an element of sort of personification there. That there's a kind of triumphal pleasure in the destruction and death. Yeah. Or is that more of a kind of human thing that you know Hughes yeah, is kind the, of personifying there because it's just a thing that happens, isn't it?
0: But yeah, Jaws eaten have finished the drawing comes to the beach. This is the sea's achievement. The sea's achievement is the detritus washed yes. up on the beach. This is the the result. If 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 we and you can use freight, like conditional clauses in an essay, you can say if we see the sea as a symbol yeah, of then we the, could. then we could.
1: I mean, there's a kind of. There's also, I mean, I haven't written this in here, but it's come, come to me now, which happens with poems. So don't be afraid to go with something if it occurs to you. In the Particularly
0: moment. as C.I.E. love yes, personal, personal interpretation, but, but there's
1: a kind of cleansing element to that, isn't there? There's an element of kind of purification and ritual almost that what the sea does is, you know, the animals are predating away the depths of the sea, but when it kind of what it does is it cleans them and it strips the flesh from them. What we get on the shoreline is the sort of simplicity of the jaw. and there's a beauty to skeletons, isn't yeah. there? And kind of finding. You know the leftover bits of creatures when it's stripped down to just the thing itself.
0: Yeah, there is. A, there definitely is a sense there. Like, and I think I like the idea of the jaws here as well. If we could dwell upon, um, I and mean, we'll talk more about that in the next the next um, paragraph. I think but the idea that jaws eat and are finished. And the jawbone comes to the beach. The idea that the idea of finished here again—it's the idea it links eating to the purpose. To we talk about yes. kind of like the purpose of life. What are we here for? And engage with these kind of philosophical questions. But Hughes kind of answers it in nature in this poem. What is the purpose of life? It's to eat.
1: Eat, survive, reproduce. Die.
0: Die. That it it simplifies (laughs) um, a a vision of life, doesn't it, to this simple cycle, as you you kind of suggested in that topic sentence of 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 life and of life and and death. And I
1: think, although it's brutal, again, and we can talk about this maybe um, more when we're talking about the symbol of the jawbone, and if we come back to the cenotaph, but there's a kind of purity in this, and there's no, there's nothing. There's no motivation, is there? There's no hatred. There's just the desire for survival. And that's how the natural world works. So although there's a bleakness, there's also an absence of, I don't know, revenge, retribution, needless deaths that the cenotaph might kind of suggest when we're thinking about the human world versus the natural world.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting the second stanza is, as well, isn't there? That it's a poem that kind of each stanza ends with this rhyming couplet, cold, hold, um, laugh, cenotaph. Um, but shells and skulls here is a slant rhyme. Yeah. And there's there's lots of these kind of these these kind of awkward binding together of words with sibilants and and the, the sea shells claws carapaces skulls um, there's this there's this kind of web of sounds that Hughes builds up that like kind of the food web I guess. everything's kind yeah. of connected isn't it there's a sense cause of because
1: you've got fragments you haven't got whole things and the sounds kind of mirror that don't they and the way that they're kind of flung out of the sea onto the shore. It's
0: emphasized it. too in the in the the there's, there's, there's line, the lineation, isn't it? The caesuras that, that break up the lines, clutching devours, full stop. In that second stanza, go non bare full stop. The sea's achievement, semicolon. There's all these there's this hesitant yeah. kind of structure to it as well, isn't it? There's, there's all fragmentary because this is about, this is a poem about these rel- the relic is the fragments of the deeps, isn't yeah. it? That have survived and washed ashore. Um, should we look then at the symbol of the jawbone?
1: Yes. So, um... Uh, it's the jawbone itself, found by the speaker at the sea's edge, that is a catalyst for his meditation on the brutality of nature. The fact that the fish has now been reduced just to its mouth intensifies the idea of the devouring ocean. I think after I wrote this as well, I kind of wondered whether in some ways it might make more sense to have that as the first yeah. paragraph. And it could... Could the way around. It's the central um, symbol, certainly. Yeah, so that's I mean, something just to consider. At a
0: technical level, it is a, it, what he's doing here is synecdoche. It's where part of something stands for the, the whole. He doesn't talk about fish; he talks about jaws. Yeah, which are, and it's an interesting use of synecdoche because the choice of focusing on the jaw as the symbol of the whole fish, the whole animal, defines that fish by its consumption, by its yeah. ability, by its teeth, by its ability to, yeah. to consume. So I'm it's quite sure, an interesting you'd symbol.
1: Say that- you know, even more broadly than that, that the fish sort of represents all consuming creatures. Yeah, more broadly than that as well. The jaws, so
0: the jaws stretch, then they slacken, they go down jaws, jaws go down jaws. Everything is is jaws. Everything is consuming. Everything is defined by this cycle of um, of of consumption.
1: Well, also jaws is um twice on the end of a line, isn't it? And once um it is. Um, in the middle preceded of the by a caesura at the end of the line. So mm. it's literally just that word. So the jaws and eat in the subsequent line are separated, aren't they? So it's as though he's, as well as making it the central image, he's drawing our eyes to it at the end of the um, line.
0: And I, th- I think it's quite interesting because for me it functions as a memento mori, which is of course a kind of artistic or symbolic trope that's representing, reminding us of that you will die! Mm. And it's certainly that's what the jaws are in the poem, isn't it? The, the, the speaker yes. encounters the jaws and it reminds him, as a memento Mori, that, oh yeah, we're all going to die.
1: All flesh is grass. All
0: flesh is grass. Biblical reference. Abs- absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but I think there's, there's, there's a... Com- I think it's, it feels to me that, that the speaker finds a comfort in that. Yeah. But although the images of the sea are quite brutal and quite bleak... And I think the Ouroboros suggest that as well. There's also a kind of comfort in the fact that that is what the world is. That we are, you know, we're a little blip, we come along. None grow rich in the sea.
0: Yeah. The curved jawbone did not laugh, but gripped, gripped. And is now a cenotaph. That repetition of grip, doesn't Yes, it?
1: that's very powerful. The
0: jawbone yeah. that did not laugh. Like this jawbone is defined, like jaws can, of course, laugh. Ted Hughes points out, he acknowledges this. But not this fish. <laughs> not this one. He, this one just he's off. just eating. <laughs> he's just gripping. So, uh, but I think also perhaps implicitly in what he's writing about, there's a juxtaposition between the animal world and the human world. Because, of course, our jaws do laugh. Yes. Our jaws do speak, read poetry, um, engage in meaningful things beyond eating, although I do love eating, as, as people <laughs> know. Um, but, but actually, there's this implicit juxtaposition, isn't there, between the fish jawbone that is simply a brutal symbol of a yes. cycle of, of death and rebirth and consumption, and the human jawbone that is, that is quite different.
1: You picked up on the sort of positive things, something about humanity, like poetry and singing and laughing and all of those things. But I suppose what Hughes does by finishing on the metaphor of the cenotaph is remind us of the more problematic aspects of humankind. Yeah, so on a literal and level, the ways like... in which the which human deaths are different and perhaps yeah. unnatural.
0: Because so I guess on a literal level, the jawbone is a cenotaph. It's a it's an empty tomb, a symbol of a death that took place far from here. Yes. But it is also a reminder, of course, of you can't use that word um in you know in the in the mid 20th century to late 20th century no. without the kind of, the specific kind of Associations with World War One I and I think it's also play.
1: worth remembering. You know, a small contextual point that for Hughes and his parents and grandparents, the war was a, a much closer and more real thing than it is to us now.
0: And Hughes wrote obsessively and, about World War yeah, One. He wrote he again and, and is again. There in
1: some of the poems as well, isn't it? We've we've talked about you know that in some of the other podcasts. So I think I think there is that too. That there, he has he has general destruction in mind, but he has some specific war in mind as well.
0: So I guess I suppose that our final point there is really just that, that, there's, that there is perhaps this implicit juxtaposition between the animal world and the human world. There is a positive in that, but perhaps also, um, and troublingly, there's the suggestion that actually this at least there's something natural about this cycle of life and death yes. in, in the sea. The cenotaph makes us think of war. Humans yeah. are, of course, the only animal. That goes to what, Although there is an argument that I think chimpanzees do as well, but I, maybe, maybe.
1: Not fish. <laughs> not fish.
0: Certainly not fish. I
1: think um, something we haven't talked about as well, is, I mean, we've talked quite a lot about the assonance in the poem, we've talked about the caesuras, but I think it's also um, worth finding a place somewhere in the essay to comment on the fact that um, this particular poem, um, the second stanza, is significantly shorter than the first so thinking perhaps about the relationship of how Hughes uses that first stanza to sort of set up the image of the relics from the sea and the fish and the jawbone mm. specifically um and then how there's a kind of switch um the first word in the second stanza is time and we have yeah, the image the of the rubores the appearing there and we have the cenotaph so it becomes a little bit more abstract and metaphorical I think in the second bit so something to kind of highlight that shift
0: So for conclusion, really, conclusions are really important for an essay, but keep them short, really. In a timed essay, what you really just want to find is do not just repeat stuff you've already said. Um, That's, I think, maybe the perfect time to dwell upon cenotaph. I think cenotaph, actually, keep it as a cheeky little, like, final thing for your conclusion. What does this say about, because it's a poem that's primarily about the sea and about the animal world. If you want to talk about the human world, maybe talk about that in your conclusion. Bring it in as that final thing
1: or the other thing I would say is I know that for some people 45 minutes is a real struggle and it's not very long to write about a, a you know complex poem. So if you find yourself running out of time and you don't have time for a full conclusion, I think just at least find time for a, a, a sentence that sounds like yeah. you're finishing, you're concluding so that the examiner doesn't have that thing of feeling like, you stopped in mid flow But I think a sentence or two um, for
0: a conclusion in a time to say yeah. can be enough that yeah. actually I simply because I, I, you know, if in doubt, I think writing about the final line in a conclusion yes. is a great way of doing it. I mean, it's a good top tip I think for maybe all listeners. Mention it in the thesis
1: and yeah. then come back to it in the conclusion as a nice way of doing yeah. it because it gives you that hook to come and into. If, and if
0: it also forces you, because the last line of a poem is always going to be important, the yeah. last word of a poem is always going to be important, and so actually that's an easy place to end. You know, ultimately, what's important about this poem is this perhaps this residences that it has for us that the way that word cenotaph transports us from yeah. the world simply of this darwinian world into a world that I perhaps is our world
1: that's a really good point and actually it's a way of ensuring you don't forget the end of the poem and you could say you know finally hughes leaves us with the image of or the X. suggestion and this of is F the significance of it and, and nearly always i mean i'd have to go back and have a look but you know 99 times out of 100 that line is going to be an important one because it's not yeah. coincidental is it that that's what we're left
0: with so there good top tip the last minute of the podcast <laughs> Thank you Miss Yam. Okay.